So as we're singing that chorus, I'm not a music person, so I don't know if it's a chorus or not, but whatever the one (laughs) that says, we're transformed by this one thing to know your presence to know your goodness and to see your beauty. What I was seeing was there's some friends of ours that are making a a porch out of reclaimed wood and it's um, pallets. They're using old pallets. And what I was seeing was that those pallets to the store or to the shippers and the movers have served their purpose, they're done. At that point, they're just trash. And they really don't seem to serve any purpose. But to the right eye and in the right hands, those things that would seem to have no purpose and are not good for anything, that those can be taken apart and pulled apart from what it used to look like. And they're used then to make a path to move into the future. Yeah, that's good. And I feel that there are people in here who have parts of your past that you feel like that's trash and that that isn't good for anything. And honestly, you're probably embarrassed about it. You're, you're afraid for anybody to know about it. And it is embarrassing to you. And you're even afraid that God thinks that same thing, that it's embarrassing to him. But God wants you to know that if you would give that to him, that he takes it apart and he deconstructs what it looks like to you and he uses the pieces of those things that were maybe really hurtful or that you feel are shameful or that cause you guilt and shame and that God will take those things when put into his hands and he transforms it with his goodness into something beautiful where he's taking you. So if that's you, number one, I want to say to you that there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ. And what that means is when you come into relationship with God, God does not speak to you about guilt and shame and making you feel ugly and making you feel unworthy about things that have happened in your past. God says, bring it all to me, no matter how ugly or no matter how useless or no matter how ugly it was and that it is something that culture doesn't like. It's something that you don't like. It's something that you think people would not want to be around you, especially good church people. Well, let me tell you something. Everybody in here has pallets in their past. Everybody in here. And God takes those things when you're willing to just trust him with it. And he pulls it apart in such a beautiful way. And he starts laying the pieces out. Like, like these things on the wall. Like, I think they're really cool. I asked for them. Because <laughs> it takes something that somebody might think was trash. And maybe somebody even told you you were trash. But you're not. Amen. God does really beautiful things with what people think is trash. There's no condemnation. There's no guilt. And there's no shame. There's not anything to hide. God says, just give it to me and let me pull it apart. Let me pull the things and I'm going to make something really beautiful for you to walk on into the future that I have for you. He's so amazing when you encounter his goodness. He makes beautiful things.
going to encounter your goodness because you're a good God. So we trust you with all of those old things and we give them to you. And we say right now in Jesus' name, you are making something beautiful for me. So I want you to just speak that out loud, whisper it, but you need to hear your voice say that. God, you're making something beautiful for me. I give it to you. I trust you. I don't know how. I don't know how he makes those things beautiful, but he does. So we trust you with it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I take a deep breath. his to the back and I like mine up <laughs> thank you hey welcome to cowboy church this morning it's good to be back isn't it yeah everybody have a good week everybody hold up all 10 fingers everybody's got all 10 fingers from fourth of july that is reason to praise the lord right there We should all give him a praise. If you were at my house, you know that that is especially a praise. The first time I was with Darren, uh, when we got married, the first time I went to his family's house for 4th of July, I, I had to go in the house because I could not, it was causing me so much anxiety watching the way that they light fireworks. First of all, if you're at the Gleghorn home, you don't buy fireworks, you buy dynamite. So it blows craters in the ground. And all growing up, I was taught you don't hold them and light them, right? Is that right? Kyle, that is against the rules. They hold them in their hand and light them and then throw them. And I was like, I just got to go in the house because I can't, I cannot be out here anymore. I got to go in the house. So anyway, I'm glad we're all, um, have all of our phalanges and that is a good thing. Yes. All right. Before we get started this morning, I want to uh, welcome a special guest that we have in the house. Her name is Paula Abbott. Paula, if you would just stand and wave to everybody. Paula. Paula and her husband, Toby, pastor Round Pin Cowboy Church down in Terrell, Texas, and she is up this way. She's headed to Cheyenne to do ministry in Cheyenne tomorrow evening and then again on Tuesday, and she is going to be maybe venturing into some other uh, areas of ministry up there. So if you're interested in finding out about more about what she's going to be doing, if you want to head up to Cheyenne and be a part of the ministry taking place up there, come and speak with Paula. She is a blessing. And come and introduce yourself to her because she's just a blessing. She's a firecracker. So she's going to get all over you if you come and talk to her. So just be ready for it. Dynamite. <laughs> Dynamite. Yes, 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 yes. So as I said, Darren and I... When we first got married, uh, his family and his uh, whole, all his family uh, is from Tulsa, Oklahoma. And we have been married in June. We celebrated 24 years of marriage. Yes. And I remember the first time that I went to visit Darren in Tulsa, I I loved it. It was so green and all of the rolling hills and lots of trees. And I just thought Tulsa was beautiful. And I 
loved everywhere we, we would drive around and Tulsa is big. I don't, I don't know how big Tulsa is, but Tulsa is a big town. And every time we go anywhere, Darren is driving, of course, and I'm in charge of the radio when we, when we drive, that's my job. I'm in charge of the radio. And so when we drive anywhere, Darren gets us where we're going and we always get there safely. So I'm in charge of the radio. So after 24 years of marriage and going to Tulsa numerous times a year and visiting and driving, we've been all over the place in Tulsa. I still don't know my way around. The, <laughs> I got an agreement. Okay, okay. I don't know if it's Tulsa or if it's me, but I still cannot. Now, I think, I think that I could find my way from Mima and Papa's house to the mall. I really, I have global mall positioning. I can find my way to a mall in a town when I may not be able to find my way out of a paper bag. I can find the mall, but I was uh, we were riding together one time and Darren said, do you know where you are? And I said, no, I have no idea where we are. <laughs> he said, well, you're, you're such and such. And I said, but you take a different way every time we go somewhere. And he says, well, but this road over here and yada, yada, yada. And by that time I'm already tuned out and like, I don't, e- I don't even know. I just know that wherever we're going, I don't know how we're getting there. And I don't know how to get home. And I don't know my way around Tulsa after 24 years of visiting Tulsa. And I think it has a lot to do with the fact that I am just the passenger. I'm not responsible for getting us to our destination. Again, I'm responsible for the radio. I'm good at that. I'm not responsible for getting us where we're going. So I kind of just kick back and enjoy the ride because I'm the passenger. I know that he's going to get us where we need to go safely somehow with whatever numerous route he chooses to get us there. He will get us there and I am just along for the ride. And I think that there are probably a lot of people and a number of people sitting in here that you may think of life the same way that you really have no control or authority over your destination or where you're going, that life is going a direction and you are just a passenger. You are just along for the ride. And if you were dealing with the thought of maybe that is the case, man, 2020 came along and boom, you found yourself not only just a passenger, but in the back of the bus. It was like, what the heck? And people are still reeling from the feeling of just being a passenger and having no control over what life throws at you, when it hits and what it looks like. And that is the place that a lot of people are finding themselves. And when we think that way, we can then begin to think about being a passenger when it comes to the thoughts that go through our mind. When certain events happen and certain things come about, the thoughts that race through our mind and the, the um, things that are uh, coming in front of us and are being thrown at us, that those thoughts and those things that come to us have a direct consequence on our destination. I like to call it, and if you've been here for very long, you've heard me talk about the mailbox effect, that you see it all the time on America's Funniest Home Videos, which I think is one of the most brilliant shows ever put on television, that they show videos of kids learning to ride bikes and they've got the whole street, but that kid has the mailbox in their mind. And even though the whole street is there, they managed to run right into that mailbox. Why? Because that's where their thoughts were going was to the mailbox. It's the mailbox effect. You can quote me on that. It's scientific. So in our Bibles, we find a book called Proverbs. And Proverbs is written primarily by Solomon. And Solomon was the son of David. David, we read about in the Old Testament, and many of you might know that David was a king. And David is one of the most 
uh, famous kings, if you will, from the Old Testament. And the Bible actually records that David was a man after God's own heart. So David is a fascinating and amazing person to read about. But the book of Proverbs, uh, Solomon, David's son, is writing, like I said, most of the book of Proverbs is written by Solomon. And so Solomon is writing the things that his father has imparted to him, wisdom that his father, David, has said to him, and things that Solomon has learned by watching his father, listening to his father. So in Proverbs chapter 1, starting in verse 1, at the very beginning of the the book of Proverbs, this is what is written. And I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation, of course. It says, here are kingdom revelations, words to live by and words of wisdom given to empower you to reign in life, written as Proverbs by Israel's King Solomon, David's son. I want you to notice that term there, reign in life. Again, in Proverbs 8, in verse 6, it says, the meaning of my words will release within you revelation for you to reign in life. Now, what's interesting is when you notice, when you, I have been stuck in the book of Proverbs for probably the last two months. And when you read the book of Proverbs, what you notice is that Solomon was raised in a household by a father who was a king. Now, if you are being raised as the son in the house of a king, that king is raising you with everything, every day, every activity, everything that is done, you are being groomed to take over and to rule as king when he is done. So you are being raised with the mindset and with the purpose and intention of becoming a king, of living as royalty. So when you read the things that are written by Solomon, what you are reading is the writings of a person who has been raised with authority, who has been raised and taught that you are royalty. So that term, reign in life. The Bible speaks from Genesis to Revelation about our thoughts. So when David was speaking to Solomon about reigning in life, David was speaking to him and imparting to him what would be needed for Solomon to reign. Not only to reign in his own thoughts, but to reign in the kingdom in which he was going to be ruling over. And I'm just going to pick one scripture out of the Bible that talks about your thoughts and your mind. There are so many, but we're going to hone in on one in chapter of, in uh, second Corinthians chapter 10. And as we go there, I just want to pray over us. Really, I'm going to pray because when people, when, when preachers say that, let's pray. Actually, what we're doing is we're saying, okay, I need, I've got so much going on and I'm so excited about this word. I need for us to all just agree right now because <laughs> I feel like a racehorse in the gate right now. <laughs> I need to just bring it down. Okay. So let's pray. That's a super, that's a super spiritual way of saying, okay. <laughs> all right, father, I thank you for this word today. I thank you for what you want to impart to us from your heart. And Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we each take our heart and connect it to your throne. We connect our heart to your heart, and we purpose to receive what it is that you want to impart to us individually, because you know our name. So Father, I pray that each one of us is imparted to individually from your heart. Father, give me your words to speak and breathe through my mouth as your breath in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, now everybody take another breath with me. Okay. All right, now we're ready. All right, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm going to start reading in uh, verse 3. And this is out of the New King James Translation. It says this. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Now, I did a little bit of research, and it depends on what you look at and who uh, is doing the research, but basically what I found, according to current science, the 
research shows that the average human being has about 6,200 what they call thought worms a day. That's a real scientific term, isn't it? A thought worm is a, what we would call like a train of thought. So if you think of, um, you think of, you know, groceries, well then this thought, this thought, this thought, this thought, and this thought about your groceries. So we have 6,200 thought worms a day. Current research also says that we think as human beings, the average mind has between 60 and 80,000 separate random thoughts a day. Men are looking at their wives right now going, ow, now I get it. Now I get it. That means there is an average of 2,500 to 3,300 thoughts per hour running through your mind. That's a lot, (laughs) y'all. That's like a lot. And the scripture right there says that we're to bring every thought captive. The word captive meaning to bring it into control. The thought of bringing 3,000 thoughts an hour into control, that's overwhelming. That's an overwhelming thought. (laughs) Now I'm going to be on that thought worm right there. That's a lot. Like that is a full-time job. That is doing nothing else but sitting and trying to take 3,300 thoughts an hour captive. You like wouldn't be able to leave the house. You would just be at home taking every thought captive all the time. Because this is what the scripture is telling us, bringing every thought captive. Actually, when you dig into this and you press into it a little bit, what he's saying here is when he says bringing every thought, what he's saying, that word every right there, what he's saying is bringing the whole, bringing the, um, the conglomeration of it, bringing the form into focus. So what he's saying there is he's not so much focusing on every single individual thought. What he's saying is the mindset, bringing the whole of our mind into submission to God. So what he's saying is he's saying to control the whole, the totality and the whole of your thoughts. He's talking about a mindset. He's talking about a filter. See, a lot of the thoughts that you have per day, you don't even know that you have them because they come in and they race through your mind so fast. And each person has filters that have been placed on their mind. And our filters are built through different experiences, different uh, ages, different uh, seasons of life. A lot of different factors come into the different filters that are built on the inside of each individual's mind. Over the past Uh, probably six years, I have become more interested in the function of the human mind than I have ever been before in my life. And as a matter of fact, we were just sitting in a doctor's office this past week and the doctor who is a trained neurologist who has gone to school for years and years and years sat right in front of us and said, we don't know how it works. Speaking of the mind. And you went to school to know that. I didn't go to school for that, and I can tell you that. You don't know how it works. It's fascinating. The way that the human brain functions is so complex and so multi-layered. The only God could have done that. With all of the technology and all of the invention and all the smarts of man and everything that he can invent and come up with, nothing can still compare with the human brain. God is pretty cool. That's just the way that God does stuff. So what the scripture is basically telling us and what it's teaching us is that either we will reign over our thoughts or our thoughts will reign over us. We will either reign over our thoughts or our thoughts will reign over us. See, there is a war. The scripture right here tells us that there is a war that is going on on the inside of every single one of our minds. And that battle is being fought every second of every day. And it cannot be seen with the human eye, 
but it exists in us and around us all the time. I have said before that there is no such thing as a spiritual vacuum. There is something or someone occupying every space in the spirit realm all the time. There is no space that is empty. And if we are not occupying that space, somebody or something else is. This war that is taking place is a battle for the thoughts, the 60,000 to 80,000 thoughts that go running through your head every single day. The reason that this war is being waged for your thoughts is because your future is either limited or advanced by the thoughts that come into your mind and take residence. See, every thought that comes through your mind, you may, you may recognize certain thoughts that come through your mind and you may not recognize other thoughts that come through your mind, but the filters that have been built establish for each one of us what thoughts come in and take up residence and purchase real estate, so to say, in our minds, in our mindset and in the way we process and in the way that we think. There is a war going on. This war that takes place is a war between light and darkness. It's a war between good and evil. It's a war between life and death. And it's a war between lies and truth. And this war has been taking place since the beginning. You can go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. And you can see the beginning of the way that the darkness wages war. Because see, here's the thing. This enemy doesn't come in front of you and say, hey, I'm getting ready to put a really crappy thought in your head. So get ready for it. The way that this enemy fights is with no rules. They don't follow protocol. They have no integrity. And the way that it's done is through deception. The same way that it's, there's nothing new under the sun. So the same way that the enemy operated in the garden in Genesis chapter three is the same way that the enemy still operates today. He just likes to package it differently, but it's not anything different. See, the way that the enemy came in the garden is the same way that he comes to us now because what he's doing is he's coming to you, number one, with a lie, with the darkness, and with a deception to try to convince you that God really isn't who he says he is, and he's really not as good as he says he is. Because the serpent came and said, has God really said So everything that you hear about God, that that you read about God in the scripture, the enemy comes, the darkness comes to say, has God really said? Has God really said that he loves you? Has God really said that he heals? Has God really said that he's good? That's the same thing that's being used today. Thoughts running through your mind. The second one was when the enemy said to um, the woman, he said, you'll be like God. He says, if you eat this fruit, you'll be like God. Well, see, the lie there was she already was. She was made in the likeness and in the image of God. And the enemy came to her to tell her that if she did something, she had to do something. She had to qualify. She had to change what she was in order to be better. When in actuality, God had made her in his likeness and his his image and loved her so much and thought so much of her that he came to walk with her and be with her and to fellowship with her every single day. She didn't have to change anything about who she was or the way that she was in order for God to want to come and be with her. But that was the lie that the enemy brought. That is the war that is being waged in our thoughts every single day. Can you associate with the woman? How many times does those thoughts of darkness come to you to say, I've got to change this. I've got to do this. I've got to be better at that. And I can't have this. I can't have that. And I better not be doing this or not be doing that in order for God to come and want to be with me. It's the same lie. And those thoughts are you are being bombarded with them every minute of every day. And it is up to us, the mindset that we allow to be formed and to be taken in our brains as to whether or not those thoughts are going to take up residence and begin to dictate our future. Because our future is limited or advanced by the thoughts that take up Resonance in our mind. Darkness is waging war for the space of your mind. And what mindset you live life through is the result of who is winning that war. 
So let's do a little, let's do a little activity. Let's do a little exercise. So I want you to just settle in right where you're at. And I want you to think of this week that's coming up. What do you have on your schedule? What's on your calendar? What do you have to do this week? What do you have to do this month? What's coming up this month? What's coming up in the next six months? What are you looking, what's, what's coming up? What you got going on out there? How about the next 10 years? Now, as you're thinking about that, I want you to think of everything that could go wrong. I want you to think of the things that you've put out there that you're hoping will go well. And if it doesn't, it's going to have a devastating effect on you and your household. I want you to think of all of the things that could fail. I want you to think of the negative things. I want you to think about what are those things that are causing you anxiety and the fears. Okay. Now, I want you to think of this next week and the month that you got coming up, the next six months, the next 10 years. Now, I want you to think about everything that could go right. I want you to think what would happen if that just exceeded everybody's expectations. What could happen with that? What are the possibilities? What are the things that I'm excited about? And what are the things that I am hopeful for? What are the new things that are on the horizon? And what are the things that I'm dreaming about and the possibilities? What are all the positive things that are coming up in the next 10 years of my life? Now, which one of those seem to flow easier for you? Just to yourself, don't answer out loud. Which one of those was easier for you to jump in and to get carried away with? Was your breath starting to get short? Were you starting to feel like, was it, was your butt on fire when you started thinking about stuff? Oh my gosh, what I got coming up next week. I haven't even started that. And I got to do this. And the boss is going to be expecting this. And I got to be doing this with all of the people that I'm responsible for at work. Which one of those two veins was easier for you to jump in and to go with? And which one of the two was easier for you to flow with is a pretty good indicator of which filter you're living your life through? Are you living your life through the filter of darkness and of deception? Or are you living your life through the filter of light and of hope and of joy? So how do I reign in life when I'm having a hard time reigning over my own thoughts? You can know your future by what your thoughts are and where your mind wanders to. I can dream and I can imagine with possibility and with hope or I can imagine darkness and loneliness. I can imagine failure and heartbreak and struggle and fear. And I'm just going to tell you that the other thing that we learn in Genesis is where God said, it is not good for man to be alone. And I feel like the church has got to address this because what we have come through from 2020 coming through COVID, God said, it's not good for man to be alone. And when we were all put into isolation, there are people who were put into isolation who were totally alone. We're really seeing the effects of people that were separated from other people and interaction with other people, especially in our elderly community, because their minds were not being active. They were not being fired through conversation and interaction with other people. And we were not created to live in isolation. There are certain uh, religions whose, whose highest level of achievement is to be alone in isolation. And I'm going to tell you something. The other reason that had such a devastating effect on people is because you cannot accomplish God's purpose for you here on this earth alone. You cannot 
come into a fullness. You cannot grow as a human being and you cannot accomplish God's purpose for you in isolation. The religions whose highest level of spirituality is to be completely isolated and alone for what? That's, that's my question. For what? For the benefit of who? As a creation, the effects on people's mental well-being as a result of what we have come through is huge. And as the church, as Christ followers, when I say church, I'm not talking about this building and Darren and I, I'm talking about all of us, the church, the body of Christ. We have got to be willing to press in and to have conversation about the health and the wellness of people's minds and the effects that this has had on people coming through this last year. Because see, our minds are a place that can either dream and imagine and have possibility or it's a place where darkness and loneliness and failure and struggle will multiply. And see, for a lot of us, it didn't even take 2020 to have that. I'm going to let you in on my life a little bit here. Um, About... Let's see, what was it? I think it was four years ago. Uh, I have a a friend who raises dogs. And all my life, I have wanted a golden retriever. I just think, I'm a, how many dog people do we have in the house? Come on, you are God's chosen. Let me just tell you. All of you cat people. God loves you too. I'm looking at my daughter. (laughs) She feels, it It was honestly revelation to me when God said, she feels about her cat the way that you do your dogs. I was like, oh, I don't understand that, but I get that. Okay, okay. So anyway, I have always wanted a golden retriever. Well, this friend of ours, uh, we ran into her, just ran into her, and she said, we have a puppy that uh, is not spoken for. And uh, leaving that conversation, Darren asked me three times, have you contacted her about that puppy? Have you contacted her about that puppy? And I said, well, no, are you serious? (laughs) Like a puppy was not on my list of things to do, you know? So anyway, he pressed for me to connect with her. Well, God had, I'm just going to say, God gave us such favor in that situation that God opened the door for us to have a golden retriever puppy, something that I had always wanted. And uh, we were sitting at home and we were discussing this puppy. And do we really, do we want to bring a puppy into our home right now? Is this, is this really a good idea? And Darren was all for it. I was sitting on the bed in our room and I was talking to him. He was in the bathroom and I told him, I just don't know if I want her. And he said, why would you not want her? You've always wanted a golden. I I just don't know, hon, that's a puppy. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of investment. You know, I mean, that's housebreaking. It's this and it's that. And we already have a red healer that we just love. She is like the perfect dog. And he kept pressing me. Why don't you want her? Why don't you want her? And I started crying and I said, because what if something happens to her? What if we live by an irrigation ditch? What if she gets out on the county road? What if, you know, Goldens, they say that Goldens get cancer. I don't want to, what if she gets cancer? You know, how much does that cost to take care of something like that? If you would put up the first picture. So this was... This is our Maisie May. (laughs) So I'm having this conversation with him. Like, what if, what if this, and what if this, and this could happen? And I just talking, I put myself into tears. 
And he comes and he stands in front of me and he said, why are you crying over something that we don't even have the dog yet? (laughs) Well, you got a point. (laughs) She was only, I think she would have been maybe two months old at that time. And I'm already creating a future in my mind of the heartbreak that I would have if something happened to her. And I didn't want to go through that. I just didn't think my heart could handle it. So he convinced me and talked to me about how ridiculous I was being, (laughs) which is very true. (laughs) So on Mother's Day of that year, we went to pick up our Maisie Mae. And if I would have allowed the thoughts in my mind to run with me the way that they were running into darkness and into heartache and into hurt and into pain, we would have missed out on, go ahead and put up the next one, this. (laughs) And the next one. Maisie Mae loves socks, like loves them. She doesn't tear them up. She just wants to bring them to you and show you that she has what she's not supposed to have. And we laugh and laugh at her. And she has brought so much joy into our life. We just love her. And God uses her to bring laughter to our home all the time. But we would have missed out on all of that because of the thoughts that I was giving resonance to in my mind. I was allowing my thoughts to reign over me. I was not reigning over my thoughts. See, Ephesians chapter three and verse 20 says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. That word think, what he's saying there is that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or exercise our mind. The mind is the place that God created as a beautiful and limitless place for us to be in creation and collaboration in partnership with him to create heaven on earth. When God says that we're to pray on earth as it is in heaven, the beginning of that is the thoughts that take place in our mind. And God is wanting to partner with us in those thoughts to come up with beautiful, amazing, limitless things or a mind that is not in partnership with God can create darkness and hate and division and all kinds of evil just through the thoughts of one mind. I want you to think just for a moment, all of the things that have been created that have caused devastation and hurt to people through the thoughts of one mind, not partnered with God. That is the power that exists in every single one of our minds. And there is a battle taking place in our minds. And we will either reign over our thoughts or our thoughts will reign over us. Now, there's some of you who are sitting here or listening and you're saying, this sounds like a bunch of new age mind control stuff to me. This sounds like some voodoo crap. Hey, let me tell you something. The people who talk about meditation and mind control and all of that kind of stuff, they didn't come up with that on their own. What they got was what God intended and what God had created in the beginning to be a beautiful space for limitless imagination and dreaming. And the world took it and manipulated it and made it into something that was never intended it to be. Now, you can clap about that, but here's the thing. Unless you're taking it back, you're giving it to them. We cannot give the world what God intended us to have. What we have to do is demonstrate to the world the way that it was intended to be used. We can't thumb our nose at them and say, well, you're an idiot or I'm not part of all of that new age stuff. No, let me show you what you're doing there. Let me show you how actually, how really powerful it is because it's so cool, right? 
You want scripture to back it up? Of course you do. There's a fly up here. Okay. A couple of weeks ago, Darren talked about the woman with the issue of blood. Let's go back to her in Matthew chapter 9, verse 20. This, the scripture right there, if, if you're not familiar with this, what has happened is there is a woman who has had an ailment in her body where she has been bleeding for 12 years. And in that culture, in that time, if that was taking place, if you had any kind of sickness or something that was going on, the people thought, well, if I touch you or get close to you, it's going to get on me. So they would put them away. They would put them in isolation. They couldn't be part of, of culture. They couldn't come to town and buy groceries. They had to be alone. So here's this woman. So she's been alone. So let's jump in here. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 20. And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his, Jesus's garment. And she said to herself, if only I might touch his garment, I shall be made well. She said to herself, that is an unspoken thought. For 12 years, this woman's life has been what it's been. And she's been in isolation. She's been dealing with the sickness. She's been trying to get better. She's done everything that she can. The Bible tells us that she spent all she had and she exhausted all the resources that were available to her to try and take care of this sickness that was going on in her body. And the doctors and physicians at the time could do nothing. However, for 12 years, this woman had the thought in her mind and the thoughts going through her mind, the mindset that one day this will be gone. One day this will be taken care of. And she heard of this man, Jesus. And even though for 11 years, 360, how many, how many days are, huh? For 300, <laughs> 364 days, she's dealt with this ailment. This is an issue that she's dealing with from sunup to sundown. When she's sleeping, she can't sleep through the night because she's got to get up and take care of what's going on in her body. But this one day, she hears about Jesus. And when she hears about Jesus, despite the 12 years of her past that have been a living hell, she has the thought, the inward thinking, the exercise of her mind to say, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, everything from my past, everything that has not been able to be taken care of, the thought of her mind to see herself reaching out and touching the hem of Jesus's garment, she would be made whole. And you know what? She was. That's just one. Let's look at another one, shall we? Okay, let's do. So then we go on to John chapter five and we read in John chapter five, the story about this place in town that was called the pool of Bethesda. And at that place is where all the six people would go and lay. And the scripture says that an angel would come down at a certain time and he would stir the waters in the pool and all of the sick people laying around. It was like a mad rush to get in the water because the first one that got in the water after the angel had stirred the water would be healed. Now I have lots of stuff to say about that. I love this, but we're going to go to a specific spot. So this is what it says. Now a certain man that was there who had an infirmity 38 years, say 38 years. That's a long time. How many thoughts had gone through that man's mind in 38 years if he was thinking 60,000 thoughts a day? I'm not good at math, so we're just going to go on. Okay, so... 38 years when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? Some of us might look at that and say, Jesus was kind of a smart aleck. But you know what? It had been 38 years that that man had been in that condition, lying at the pool of Bethesda, waiting for the stirring of the water, and he never was the first one in. So Jesus asked him, do you want to be made well? That word want, the meaning of that word is Jesus looked at this man and he said, do you wish? Can you imagine? Can you think past 
the little sick mat that you are laying on and have been laying on year after year after year. And now your thoughts and your thinking have become so limited to this mindset, to this little square mat that you lay on day after day after day. And because of that, your thoughts and your mindset has restricted you to this mat. And when Jesus came to stand in front of him, Jesus is asking him a, I feel a merited question. Do you want to be made well? He's asking him, can you think and have thoughts beyond what your current existence is? He's saying, are you willing to challenge the mindset that has dictated your life for the past 38 years that have put you in this place at this time because God had sent Jesus out of all of the people around the pool of Bethesda, all of the sick people, all of the people that Jesus would have passed by on his way to the pool of Bethesda to stand in front of this one man after he had been having these thoughts in this little small world for 38 years, Jesus stands in front of him and he's asking him, do you want to reign in life or do you want your thoughts to continue to reign over you? That's what Jesus is challenging him and he's asking him a simple question that he asks each one of us. Because see, God saw this man and knew the future that he had planned for him. The future that he had planned for him was not to spend the rest of his life on that mat. But God is giving him the option. When Jesus asks him, do you want to be here the rest of your life? What is reigning in your thoughts? Yet, God sends Jesus to stand in that spot, in front of that man, that day, at that moment. God is asking every person in here, do you want to reign in life? Whatever your situation is, whatever your past has been, do you want to be limited or advanced in your future by the thoughts that take residence in your mind? Because there is a war taking place right now. Right now, as I'm talking, there is a war taking place for the thoughts in your mind right now. Because you're questioning Can it really be different? Do you want to reign? And the war taking place right now, you might be asking, well, how do I know? How do I know if those thoughts are God? Or how do I know if that's darkness speaking to me? How do I know who's speaking to me? Let me tell you the voice that calls you to less, the voice of fear, the voice that speaks of unworthiness, the thoughts that remind you of your past, the thoughts that say that it will never change, the thoughts that say that you will never change, the thoughts of insecurity, the thoughts of despair, the thoughts of loneliness, and the thoughts of failure. That is not God. The voice that speaks of hope, the voice that calls you to a better life, the voice that says... Tomorrow is going to be better. The voice that says that I'm going to be better. The voice that says that I'm going to be stronger. The voice that calls me to integrity. The voice that calls me to compassion. And the voice that calls me to love. That is God. Rhett, if you would, go ahead and come on up. Romans chapter 5 and verse 17 in the Passion Translation says this. Death once held us in its grip, and by the blunder of one man, speaking of Adam, death reigned as king over humanity. But now, how much more are we held in the grip of grace 
and continue reigning as kings in life, enjoying our regal freedom through the gift of perfect righteousness in the one and only Jesus, the Messiah. See, the same way that David raised Solomon to be raised in royalty, to learn to think like a king, to learn to operate in life with power and authority, that same way that that son was raised by David, his father that was the king, is the same way that your heavenly father raises you and speaks to you. He speaks to you on how to walk as royalty. He speaks to you on how to think with power, how to think with hope, how to think with a mindset that is in agreement with the mindset that the father has for his children. Because see, you and I were not created to ride as passengers. You and I were not created to just take whatever life throws our way. We were not created to just sit back and say, hey, hopefully I'll get to a destination. I have no control over whether it's a good one or a bad one. I don't know what's going to happen to me along the way, and I don't even know where we're going. But you were given power and authority through Jesus Christ in your relationship with the Father that he says about you that he has so many thoughts toward you that they number more than the sand on all of the seashores. That's a lot of thoughts that God has toward you. (coughs) That's what he says about you. You and I were not put here to just end up at some random destination and to just take it as it comes. But you and I were put here to continue reigning as kings and queens in life. So I want to ask you this question. Do you want to be well? Do you want to reign in life? Because for most of us, it's going to require a change in our mindset. It's going to require that we consciously begin to take the whole of our mind into control and intentionally put ourselves in the driver's seat and say, I will not be a victim to what is thrown my way anymore. I will not be carried about with the wind and tossed to and throw, but I am created to reign in life. So I invite you right now, if this is something, if this is something that you find, I find so many thoughts running through my head. If, let, me, let me say this, mind racing, that's a thing where thoughts are running through your head. You can't go to sleep at night because thoughts are racing through your mind or you wake up during the night because thoughts are racing through your mind. If that is you, I'm going to pray for people in just a moment. And if that is you, I feel today is a day that I want to invite you to take a stand because this is real. It dictates the choices that you make and it's heavy. And for people who are struggling with it, it can feel overwhelming. So if you find yourself waking up or you can't go to sleep because your mind is racing, I'm inviting you to stand. If you're a person who knows after hearing this today or you've struggled with it before, I know that God loves me and I know that he's got good things for me, but fear the thoughts of things that could go wrong or what if, it, what if, what if, what if, what if God really isn't that good for me? I know he loves other people, but what if he doesn't, what if he's just not that good for me? If that's a thought, I want you to stand you would pray for other people for healing and for wellness in their families and their marriage all day long. But when it straight up comes to you praying and standing and knowing for yourself 
that's hard. But man, you can believe for somebody next to you all day long and you will pray for someone else. But it's really hard to accept that for yourself. Here's the other one. That you don't know if you hear God's voice, that that's always a struggle. Like, I really don't know if that's God or not. I, I don't know. I don't know if God speaks to me. I don't think God speaks to me. I don't know if he speaks to me. The thoughts in your mind telling you that. When the truth of the word is, the scripture tells us that we are his sheep and that we hear his voice and we know his voice. And if that is a struggle for you at times, I want you to stand. Here's another one. And I don't want anybody to be embarrassed about this. If depression has been knocking at your door and you feel heaviness and weight and you just can't get away from it, I want to invite you to stand. Don't be embarrassed about that. There's nothing to be embarrassed about that. You know what? The enemy tries to embarrass you, but when you stand and you bring it into in light, you embarrass the enemy. You're like, you know what? Suck it. I'm not going to let you dictate to me anymore. And I'm going to say this one, and you can stand if you want, but if it is you, I want you to know that you're not forgotten. If thoughts of suicide have been running through your head, And you know that that's not right. You don't want that. And that is not, that is not what you want. But those things just keep coming. I want you to know God sees you. And if you want to stand, you stand up and you say, suck it. But you stay right where you're at. Yeah. Because you know what? God's not ashamed of you. He's not ashamed of you and he's not saying, Golly, Moses, what is wrong with you? When are you going to get it right? He's saying, let me be your dad and listen to my words. Because as you listen to my words, I'm going to teach you how to reign. I'm going to teach you how to take those thoughts, that mindset captive, so that you reign over your thoughts and your thoughts no longer reign over you. So if you have somebody around you that is standing If you want to go and stand next to them, stretch your hands out toward them. If you want to sit in your seat and stretch your hands out toward them. Right now in the auditorium, I'm inviting everybody to be active right now. So if you're sitting and you want to stretch your hands out toward someone or go stand with someone that stood up, move to that right now and let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, your word promises us that we have been given the mind of Christ and that is a beautiful mind. It is a mind of hope. It is a mind of love and it is a mind of creativity that creates with heaven to bring the beauty and the power of everything, the goodness and the joy and the love that is in heaven to bring that here on earth and you do that through us. So right now, either out loud or within yourself, I want you to say, I have the mind of Christ. My mind is a beautiful mind. The thoughts that I think are in alignment and in agreement with the thoughts that the Father has toward me. And any thought that is not what my Father thinks towards me, I take that captive and bring it into the obedience of Christ right now. Any thought that is not what my Father thinks of my future, I bring that into captivity right now. In Jesus' name, I bring it down. And as a matter of fact, I say, to it. Shut up. You shut up, darkness. You shut up, lies. You shut up anything that speaks of my future that is not what my father says of my future. You shut up words of unworthiness, lies of identity. You shut up. Shut hell up right now in Jesus name. Now, I want to ask you if you can just put your hands on your head. Ooh, okay, as a matter of fact, if you would play the play along with me. 
want you to make a crown and put the crown on your head. Because you were created to reign as kings and queens in life. And Father, right now we place a heavenly crown around our minds that we think the thoughts that you think and we break off everything that is not of you. And today we declare that we reign over our thoughts in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Now, most importantly, wait, stay right where you're at. Stay standing together, except for Bailey. (laughs) The most important thing is that you knowingly on your own make your own choice with your own mind, your own decision to say, I am going to follow Christ. And I don't care where your path has been. I don't care what your footsteps have been in right now today. It's not just a thing of, yes, I make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. It's a following. When Jesus says, come and follow me, what he's saying is, lay down the old stuff, lay down the past, come and follow me. Because everything from your past, I'm going to take it and I'm going to use it for your future to make beautiful things. And if you've never done that intentionally, on your own, with your own choice, or if you have at one time and things have just kind of gotten wonky, and it needs to just get back. Right now is your moment to say, Jesus, I choose to follow you. And if you want to be super bold, right now, if you're making that decision, either recommitting it or doing it for the very first time, I invite you to shoot your hand up in the air really high. Is there anybody like that here? Because we're all standing together and we want to stand to support you. Yes. Is there anybody else? Yes. 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 So if a person around you stuck their hand up, I want you to go to them and like, high five, dude. Welcome to the family. And we're proud of you. We're proud to claim you as family, right? So if we would, our prayer team, I'm going to ask them. I know Bailey's going to, I'm taking Bailey's. Our prayer team would come up here. If you stood to pray over anything or if you raised your hand, I'm going to ask you, invite you to come and just visit with our prayer team. Just tell them, hey. I did this today, and our prayer team just wants to celebrate with you. They want to love on you. If you stood for any reason today, whatever your prayer stand was, and you want someone to actually pray personally with you, that's what they're here to do. They're not here to cast judgment, and they're not here to tell you that you're a sorry sucker. They're here to tell you today is a new day for you. So if you would, go ahead and take a seat for just one moment, and Bailey's coming to dismiss us.